Amen. You have a seat. You know, for the uh, last few weeks, we've been looking at the ache of the ordinary and how it is that we all sort of suffer through lots of times in life. Um, the ordinary, the normal, the, uh, the boring, <laughs> the uninteresting. And, uh, you know, I, I have to be honest, it's been uh, powerful for me to reflect on that and to go through that because it makes me look at my own life. And we've all been doing that. We've been looking at our life. Thank you, Sherry. Our life and what is it that God has actually created us for? What is it that God has meant us for? And uh, we did that. We started the first week by looking at God at looking at our extraordinary God. Thanks, man. And that he is a God who can and a God who cares. And then in the second week of our series, we looked at relationships and the relationships that we have. Are they ordinary or are they extraordinary relationships? And uh, we looked at what it means that we are from. We come from an extraordinary relationship that exists in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that we not only come from that, but we are created for extraordinary relationships. Extraordinary relationship with God and with others. That we are meant for more than just surfacy relationships. And tonight what we're going to be looking at is what does it mean to have an extraordinary life? What does it mean to really live life as God intends you and created you to live it? Whether you call yourself someone who's in a relationship with God or not, what does it mean for you to have an extraordinary life? Because Jesus said very uh, powerful and promising words in John 10.10 10, when he said that he has come to give us life to the fullest. Now that's a promise, actually, that is backed up by the life of Jesus Christ, that he has come to give you life to the fullest. But for many of us, if we were to be honest, lots of times our lives don't feel like that, do they? In fact, on some days they feel like life to the dullest, right? That we just kind of live and go through the motions, and all of us have this ache inside of us for more, that we know that we were created for more, that we know that God has actually placed inside of us something more, but our lives don't reflect it. And we all want it, but we don't know exactly how it happens, where we go, what we do, the role that we play in that. And we've joked around here before that if, you know, they were to make a movie of your life, would anyone want to go to it? That's a pretty sobering question. Maybe we'll throw in some pyrotechnics and some stunts or a car chase or something like that to make it interesting. But if they made a movie of your life tomorrow, would anyone pay $10, $12, $18 to go see that movie? Would anyone be interested? Is you, would they say about you that your life is extraordinary? All of us want that, but so few of us actually live extraordinary lives, have extraordinary stories to tell. And right now, our son, Elijah, five years old, is, is just fascinated with extraordinary stories. He is, he, that's all he wants, is these extraordinary, not normal stories. And for him, the greatest place that he's found that is in superheroes. He has become a superhero freak. Now, it started with Star Wars, and it, which I thought was enough, but then it quickly moved to superheroes, and he's obsessed now. Like, all, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, all of it. In fact, for his birthday party a couple months ago, we had to have a superhero birthday party. And many of the folks who were involved here at Soul City who came to that party wore superhero costumes. Everyone had to wear a superhero costume. And I want to show you a picture of that, but some of the costumes were so uncomfortable, I can't do that in church. It wouldn't be fair to those of you who weren't there. And we had this amazing superhero party because our son is obsessed with these extraordinary superhero figures. And it got me thinking about what we're talking about tonight, what we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, 
is what if, what if, to make your life, your movie more interesting, you had a superpower? What would be different about your life if you actually had a superpower? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually turn and talk to someone next to you. I want you to think about that for a second. If you could have one superpower to make your life extraordinary, what would it be? What would be your superpower, all right? So everyone has to talk to someone, right? So here's the deal. Introverts, we've got brown bags for you because I know you're freaking out right now, <laughs> right? Extroverts, keep it brief, okay? So here's the deal. Everyone turns. You have 64 seconds to talk to the person next to you. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Ready? Go. All right, just by, just by kind of show of hands, how many of you said flying? Flying would be your, yeah, that's a, that's a kind of basic superpower. That's an important superpower. X-ray vision, anyone? Yeah, you got problems, man. I know, what you, I know why you want that. All right, good. All right, good. All right, so this may not seem like that super to you, but honestly, if I could have any superpower, it would be good penmanship. <laughs> because my penmanship is so horrible that if I could have one superpower, I would want to be able to write cursive really well or just to write, like, English plain letters very well. Because not many of you, may, maybe you know this, maybe you receive one, uh, every week uh, our team gets together and we write notes to people who are either here for the first time or who took a big you know, risk in investing in the vision of Soul City Church. We write a handwritten note. If you've received one from me, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Our five-year-old is about to excel in penmanship past me. So it is, it is a weakness of mine that I fully embrace. But the thought of that is really interesting, is if we were to have a superpower what would that change about our life? What would that actually change about your life? Because the thing that's really interesting about superheroes, and now our son is really into understanding that, there's always this other side to superheroes, right? Because there's a superpower side, and that's really fascinating and cool, but every one of them has a what? Secret identity, right? So you have all these superheroes, and then every one of them, though, on the flip side, has this, like they have day jobs, right? So if solving crime and saving the world from meteors isn't enough, they got to go to work every day, and they have to keep up the facade that they're normal just like us. And so that's one of the most interesting things that I want us to look at tonight is the superhero secret identity. So I'm going to give you a quiz. This is very participatory tonight, right? You don't get to sleep through tonight. So I want to see, I want to call out your inner nerd. I want to call out the inner superhero in you and see if you just know a few of these. And we'll, we'll keep, we'll get to the Bible eventually, I promise you. But I want to see if you know a few of the secret identities because we're going to look at what that means for our lives and the extraordinary life God has created for us. So I'm going to put someone up on the uh, screen there for you. So you know who that is, right? Yep. Okay, so what, just by shouting out, what's his secret identity? Superman's secret identity. Clark Kent, right? So that's easy. Good. You got it. Boom. That's an easy one. All right. Next one. We're going to put up a character up on the screen. Sp by the way, each of these, no, Spider-Man, we got. We got that one. Good. Uh, each of these pictures pick and, uh, picked by our son, Elijah, he was very, is very important that we pick this picture. Okay, who knows, without coming on the screen, who knows his secret identity? Peter Parker. All right. One of you answered very quickly, almost too quickly. Good. All right. We're going to get a little, little harder now. This is a... Uh, Everyone knows who this is. This is Batman, right? This is the best Batman, the like dorkiest, doofiest Batman. And uh, all right, who, his secret identity? You guys are much nerdier than I thought. You have, your superpower is watching Nick at night. That's awesome. Okay, good. It's going to get harder. Next one we're going to put up. Everyone knows who this is, right? Wonder Woman. That's right. Growing up, everything I need to understand about women I learned from Wonder Woman and Princess Leia. And so um, does anyone know her secret identity? Ah, see, you're not as nerdy as you thought. Her secret identity, actually, bring it up, Diana Prince. Oh, that's good. People are taking notes. That may be the only thing you remember from tonight. All right, last one gets really hard. Next one up there. Anyone who this is? Worst superhero ever, right? The world's falling apart. Everyone's flying off through their missions. And what did they say to Aquaman? Aquaman, uh, why don't you go talk to some fish? Right, so anyone know his name? 
wow. Because this is what I came up with. Uh, does it really matter? Does it really, really matter? Because it's Aquaman. Give me a break. He's going to talk to Squid. Who cares what his name is? The fish don't call him by name. All right, so that's a pretty interesting thing for you to think about is superheroes have, every one of them have this sort of uh, secret identity. They have this other life, this ordinary life that they have to sort of keep up with everyone else and, and kind of keep up the facade, that there's actually something extraordinary about them. And as we think about our own lives and the way that God has wired us, the, the truth is many of us actually go about our lives living as though all we are is just that secret identity. That we are just ordinary, normal people. When the truth is, for any person who's in a relationship with God, God actually has given you so much more than what's on the surface. That for anyone who's in a relationship with God, God has actually given you supernatural talents and abilities. And the Bible calls them spiritual gifts. That the way we begin to explore and actually live an extraordinary life is when we understand our spiritual gifts. When we understand the way that God has wired each of us to be so much more than ordinary. Every one of us who's in a relationship with God has a spiritual gift, but I so oftentimes live like all I am is Clark Kent. And I, I find myself most of these moments when I, I, I forget of how God has wired me, how God has gifted me, when I'm complaining about things around me, complaining about either my job or, you know, complaining about finances or whatever. I have greatly limited my vision of what God has created me for. And you do the same thing, too. You go about your ordinary life, going to your ordinary job, driving your ordinary car, and you forget, you lose sight, or maybe you never even know that God has actually hardwired you. He has created you for something more, for something greater, for something actually extraordinary. That inside each person, God has put a reflection of himself, his DNA in you, and it is extraordinary. And it is extraordinary that God has given every person in relationship with him spiritual gifts, which are so much more than what's on the surface. The Bible is actually really clear about this. As the first church is getting started, it's talked about a lot. How has God wired you? How has God gifted you? How is it that God has created you to live an extraordinary life? And one of the characters that we see all throughout the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. If there were ever a superhero of the Bible, Paul is one of them. He has an extraordinary conversion in his life. He goes from an ordinary life where he was absolutely in every way trying to hit the marks and raise, you know, got to climb up the ladder, and then he has this amazing, extraordinary conversion where he trusts God completely with his life. So extraordinary, in fact, that God actually changes his name from Saul to Paul. He goes from an ordinary to extraordinary in a moment. And he begins to understand that God has created him for more. And so he begins to talk about this and write letters to churches. In fact, just like any good superhero, Paul has a sidekick. Does anyone know his name? Timothy. And Barnabas was one of them too. Timothy is one that Paul actually spends a lot of time building into, pouring into, and explaining some of the clearest descriptions we have in understanding what these spiritual gifts are, these supernatural, extraordinary things that God has put inside of us. Paul explains to a person that he's mentoring, a young guy named Timothy. And he writes Timothy two different letters that we actually have recorded in the Bible where we get a glimpse of what life is like when we live it as God intended us to be. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask that you open up to 2 Timothy. If you'd open your Bible up to 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to look at, just for a second, one of the ways that Paul talks about this to Timothy. 
Paul is emphatically pouring out to Timothy that there's more to his life than what's on the surface, that he's created for more. And he's describing to Timothy a moment that happened to him. He's reminding Timothy of a moment that happened to him not too long ago, and he's calling something out of Timothy. And I believe that it's no different than what God may be calling out of you tonight, right now as you hear God's word. So we are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul is speaking to this person that he's mentored, Timothy. And he says these words. He says, for this reason, he's talking to Timothy now, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not, you know, did not give us a spirit to be timid, but he gave us power and love and self-discipline. So we're going to focus on the first half of that verse there. Paul is saying to Timothy, look, I want to remind you that you have been given a gift by God. Now, the language here is not quite common for us these days. When Paul says, look, it was, through, it was put in you through the laying out of my hands. And basically, that language means Paul is affirming and confirming that God has given Timothy spiritual gifts. And at some point, Timothy moves from ordinary to extraordinary when he enters into relationship with God. And Paul sees in him something greater. Something more than what's on the surface. And Paul's having to remind Timothy, do not let anyone look down on you. Don't forget this fact that you are created for more. You are not given a spirit of fear or a spirit of the ordinary. You were given power, and it's in you. And Timothy needs to be reminded of this. And I think you and I do too. If you're in relationship with God, you have been created for more than being a consumer, more than being a spectator, more than the ordinary. That there has at some point when you've entered into relationship with God, the Holy Spirit has now unleashed and awakened things that God hardwired into you long before you ever even like knew who God was. And Paul is saying to Timothy what I believe he's saying to you as well, is that we have a responsibility to fan those into flame, to stoke that fire, whatever those gifts may be, to call them out, to use them, to get better and better at them. Paul is saying to Timothy what I believe he's saying to us, that a life of stagnancy is no life at all. That ordinary is not an option for followers of Jesus Christ. That there is more in you, and it's put in you by God. Paul continues to make this point at several different points to Timothy. So if you, again, have your Bibles open, jump back to 1 Timothy. We're going to look at how Paul describes it again, because he really wants his sidekick to get it, right? He really wants Timothy to understand, and I believe God wants you to understand tonight how important it is that you understand the extraordinary gifts that God has given you. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And again, we say this all the time. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, let us know. We know people. We'll hook you up. We'll take care of it, right? So let us know, and we'll get you a Bible, because we believe there's so much truth and wisdom that comes from God in this book. We don't want you to miss it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Listen to how Paul describes it again. Paul says to Timothy, Don't neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. Which is giving you, same kind of language here, through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So again, there were people there who confirmed, who affirmed that Timothy was created for more. Now look at what Paul says, because this is very important. Look what he says. He says, Be diligent in these matters. There is work to be done when it comes to understanding and using your spiritual gift. Give yourself wholly to them so that what? Every, yeah, that's not a trick. Thank you for being there with me. Let me try that again. So that what? 
everyone, now that's very important, so that everyone may see your progress. So what is Paul saying to Timothy? What is he saying to you and I tonight? Those of us who are in relationship with God, you have been created for more. Fan into flame the gifts that God has given you. Stoke that fire. And Paul says it again. Be diligent about it. Do the work of it. And you'll experience the extraordinary. You will experience actually what God has created you for. And here's the crazy thing. Others will too. Others will too. I think so often I'm so consumed with trying to you know, live my life as it's supposed to be. And I'm so consumed with making sure that I'm living life the way I'm supposed to be living it. And all the while I'm missing everyone else around me because my focus is strictly on me. Here's the crazy thing. God has put gifts inside of you that are meant to be a gift to others. And Paul says it that way to Timothy. He says, look, so that everyone will see your progress, that everyone will be affected by you understanding and using your spiritual gifts. Now, I remember for me, the first time that I began to understand this whole idea, I don't think I got the deep theological implications of it. It started for me because I kept falling asleep in church. It started for me when I was about 13 years old, and the church that we were going to was kind of a big church, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it was great for everyone else. It just wasn't intellectually stimulating for me at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And so I was falling asleep all the time, and my parents had enough. And so they said, look, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta want you to stay awake or go do something or walk around. I don't know. What do you need? There wasn't like power drinks or energy drinks back then, you know? So I was just like, you gotta figure this out. I wasn't gonna drink coffee at that point. So I decided, okay, if I, to not fall asleep in church, I probably shouldn't go to it anymore. And so what I did instead, I know it's deeply spiritual. This is your pastor talking. Uh, deeply spiritual decision for me. I said, you know, I'm gonna go get involved with like the little kids. We had like a, we called it Sunday school, right? So I was going to go get involved with Sunday school. And so I, at 13 years old, went to help out with the uh, three and four-year-olds. Now, if you ever want to stay awake, spend five minutes with a three or four-year-old. And if you ever want to crash hard, spend five minutes with a three or four-year-old. And so that's what I did. I didn't know what to do, so I just started going and helping out in a little Sunday school at our church. And I remember early on as I was helping out in our little Sunday school, uh, they asked if I would teach the Bible lesson the next week. I was like, look, I, like, two weeks ago I was asleep in church. Like, you now you want me to, to teach the Bible lesson? I just think they were desperate and they didn't want to do it anymore. So, so I said, okay, I'll do it. At 13 years old, I had to teach the lesson of Jesus uh, when uh, four friends came and lowered their friend on a mat into the presence of Jesus. Their friend was uh, uh, paralyzed and he couldn't get up off his mat, so these friends carried him into the presence of Jesus. Powerful, powerful story where they lowered him into the presence of Jesus. And I was like, oh, I'm going to teach this to three and four-year-olds. Like, this is some heavy stuff. How are we going to do this? And so no one told me to do this. But at that time, I decided I would build a diorama, which at any logical conclusion you might come to, right? When in doubt, build a diorama. And so I went home, and I took a shoebox, and I cut a hole out of it. And then I took uh, some G.I. Joe guys that I had, like they were like in my closet from years before. <laughs> I don't even know where I found them. And I built the whole scene. I literally like cut a hole in it and I did strings and I laid like the like a sick G.I. Joe guy, like I think he was the minesweeper. I don't know. It's like one of the unimportant guys. And I laid him on the stretcher and like these, you know, these guys lowered him in. And as I taught to these little three and four-year-olds, I like acted out the story, which is kind of cool when you think about it, because the story really like it was cool enough, but when there's like handguns and grenades involved, it gets a lot cooler. It's a lot cooler. And so I taught these little kids the class, and I remember afterwards feeling like, 
that felt like great. That felt great. I didn't fall asleep once. Like that, there's something about that. Now, I didn't have words or language. I didn't understand. I hadn't read these verses that Paul wrote to Timothy. I didn't understand that. But I knew at some, at some point right there, in some way, that I was in the midst of what God had created me for. Now, I did not have words for it, right? So I'd go all the way through high school, and it wasn't until I was in college that I was helping out with the junior high group, which, again, if there's a third layer to hell, it's middle school students, you know, <laughs> at church on a Sunday. And I'm like, and I loved it. I was, got involved. I was helping out, and I love it. And I was just helping out. And same thing happened. Hey, would you be willing to teach the lesson next week? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And so no one asked me to do this, but on my own, I've got my parents' VHS camera, old school, and I shot a man-on-the-street video with a bunch of middle school students. And I asked, it was the, the lesson, I'll never forget this, was on fear. And so I asked them all these things about what they're afraid of, what are they most afraid of. And then I took that VHS camera, and I did some old-school play, pause, record. Like, I edited my own video. I put an REM song on top of it called I Am Superman. <laughs> I mean, this is multimedia at its best here, right? And I made a video as my opener for the five-minute talk I was going to do. I think the video was longer than the talk, okay? But I did it. I felt alive. And what happened was, what's similar to the language that Paul uses here, is that there were other leaders there in the little middle school. I mean, I think there was 20 kids there. And the leaders that were there said, Jared, you have the gift of teaching. You have a spiritual gift that God has clearly given you. I mean, I remember Sandy Purchase looking me in the eyes and saying, Jared, you have the gift of teaching. You need to grow that gift. You need to use that gift. And that began a journey for me to understand how God has wired me with these spiritual gifts. And that is one of the contributions that I give to the kingdom of God, that I'm giving to you now, is using this gift, fanning into flame, that God has given me to open God's word. I remember that feeling of when I open God's word and we talk about it with each other, that something happens, not just to me, but to you as well. That's God at work. And I remember the first couple times people would come up, like up to me after a, a message or a talk or a sermon and go, you have no idea what you said tonight. And I'm like, yeah, you're not kidding. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> you have no idea. It's as though God was speaking just to me. Now, I can't take credit for that because I know that God has put something in me that he has not only invited me, but expects me to fan into flame. And it's very humbling because as I do that, other people are affected. Now, that's when you know that you are in the middle of what God has created you for is when you are using your spiritual gifts and it actually is affecting and changing others. Now, I want you to get this because this is very important. Every one of you who's in a relationship with God, every one of us who's here in this room, who's watching online, every single person who's in a relationship with God has been gifted by God to be a gift to others. Did you get that? Every one of us who's in relationship with God has been gifted by God to be a gift to others. Gifted by God with spiritual gifts to be a gift to others. Gifted by an extraordinary God with extraordinary spiritual gifts to be an extraordinary gift to others. If you are wondering sort of what you're supposed to do with your life, anyone ever have that question? Wondering sort of how it all fits together. The, one of the greatest places for you to explore is understanding and using your spiritual gifts. Do you know, do you know that you are actually created for more than all of this? More than just what you see on the surface. 
Do you know that God has actually made you extraordinary? You. Extraordinary. Do you know your spiritual gifts? For those of us who are in relationship with God, do you know your spiritual gifts? If not, here's a great first step I want to give you. Understand your spiritual gift. That's going to be the easiest, most obvious point of the night. If you don't know how God has wired you, how he has put his touch, his DNA into your life, then you need to understand what your spiritual gifts are. How has God hardwired you for the extraordinary? Where you are a gift to others and you are experiencing, you're in that spot where you go, I think this is what I was meant for. Do you know your spiritual gifts? This is very important for anyone who's serious about their relationship with God. It is really easy to be a spectator at church. It's even easier sometimes to complain about church and what you don't like about it and what you wish was different. You know what? God has actually created you for more than that. He's actually created you to be a participant in it, a participant in what God is doing in this city, in this church even. And it happens when you understand your spiritual gifts. Now, there's a lot of different ways to do this, but one of the best places to start is to take a spiritual gifts assessment. Just by show of hands, have any of you ever taken one of those before? Great. Okay, so you're familiar with it. It just asks a couple questions. You kind of walk through it, and it helps you maybe understand, at least at the first pass, what your spiritual gifts might be. Now, I had the brilliant idea when we were working on this weekend's gathering to go, you know what? Let's give everyone one of those assessments and do it right here tonight in the room. And the wisdom of everyone else said, dude, you will lose people if you do that. And I listened to their wise counsel. And I said, all right, that's good, that's good. So what we've done is actually we've put it up on our website, We're so serious about this that you understand your spiritual gift, that you begin to fan it into flame, that we've put it on our website. And if you go to soulcitychurch.com slash grow, you'll find a spiritual, an online spiritual gifts assessment. And you can do that tonight. You can fill that out and take that first step into understanding what your gifts might be, how God has hardwired you for the extraordinary. I'm going to be real honest. The reason I wanted to take that moment right now in our gathering and to do the assessment here is because I want every one of us to take that sort of responsibility with our spiritual growth. Because here's the deal. I like you people. I like you a lot. But I'm going to be honest. I'm not convinced you're going to go home and take this assessment. Again, I like you. I think you're wonderful. It's great seeing you every week. But in my gut, the reason why I wanted us to do it in the room is because I'm not convinced you're going to go home and do it, right? And the reality is, like, because that's me. Because I'll feel great, and we'll be here in the room. Oh, yeah, tonight's great, tonight's so awesome. And then, like, you forget everything that happened in the last hour by the time you hit your car, right? And then, and, like, tomorrow is going to be crazy because you're going to have work, and, and it's, I guess it's Cyber Monday now. I don't know how that happened, but we have another day where we're supposed to spend money. And so, like, a lot of people are supposed to be working when they're really actually, like, scouring through to find the best deals. So here's the deal. How about before your head hits the pillow tonight, you take 15 minutes, go online, and understand, discover what your spiritual gifts are. It takes some responsibility. What if we were to actually take some responsibility with our relationship with God? We've tried to make that as easy and accessible for you as possible. All right, so before, like when you get to work tomorrow and you're really tempted to like go online and search for the perfect gift, maybe take a minute and say, no, how has God given me gifts? How has God wired me? What are my spiritual gifts? That's first, understand what your spiritual gifts are. And then here's the second thing. Use them. (laughs) This is about as simple as it's going to get. Like rinse and repeat. That's really about as simple as it gets. 
understand what your spiritual gifts are and use them however, wherever, whenever God allows. Understand your spiritual gifts and actually start using them. Begin to explore and experience what God has created you for. And if you're wondering, like so many of us do, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where am I supposed to go? What's it supposed to be about? This is one of the best next steps you can take. Understand your spiritual gifts and actually begin to use them. And what I love about our church, what I love about our church, is there is ample opportunity for you to use your gifts. There are plenty of opportunities for you to begin to use your unique spiritual gifts and actually be a gift to others. And Jeannie mentioned that you saw when you walked in our lobby space. It's amazing. It's absolutely, it's beautiful. I and mean, we said, look, we want anthropology on a Walmart budget. Do it. And they nailed it. That team nailed it. And I'm telling you exactly what that is. Heather and the team that she led, that, that's not just a bunch of people being like, you know, like crafty. There are spiritual gifts at work. And you walked through an experience this night. And my hunch was it was actually a little bit of a gift to you. It felt warm. You felt, oh, this is really cool. I like what God's doing here. They used their spiritual gifts of creativity, of hospitality, to create a space that actually is a gift to you and as many of our neighbors walk by to our neighbors as well. That's, that's a small way to see spiritual gifts at work in our space. I think about Jade. Jade has been a part of our community from day one. And it's no doubt to me that God has gifted today with the gift of prayer. This man prays for you. You may not even know him, and you've been prayed for by today. And a couple weeks ago when we were talking about our extraordinary God, we had space for people to come and be prayed for. And today prayed for several of you that night. He used his gift to be a gift to you. And the email he sent us afterwards that night was full of someone alive in the midst of an extraordinary life using their gift to be a gift to you. Because that's how God, that's how he's wired him. That's just what, God put those gifts in him and he's using them here in our space in a very, very real way. Nate, Nate Edmondson is a, a student over at Moody Bible Institute and he's a part of our team here. And he teaches upstairs in our Soul City Kids space. And he's a part of a great team of volunteers that do that every week. I believe from the first time I met Nate that God has given him a spiritual gift of teaching and a spiritual gift of leadership. It's undeniable to me when I look at Nate's life. I affirm that in his life. And you know what he's doing? You know how he's working it out? With like two and five-year-olds upstairs who are kicking him in the shins. <laughs> and I love the first week we did Soul City, uh, he was wrestling with our son and in the process gave our son a bloody nose. And like, in some churches, if like you give the pastor's kid a bloody nose, that's it, you're done, you're out. I was like, that's awesome! That's hardcore! That's so rad! Like, I love that Nate is in the midst of that, working out his spiritual gifts in a not-so-captive audience every week. I think of Kristen Fenton. God has so clearly given Kristen a gift of mercy and a gift of shepherding. It's so clear to me. I mean, she has empathy. She has empathy for the word empathy. She feels what that word feels. And she gets to use that at some point in her week as, a, you know, she does the work that she does throughout her week. But on Mondays, when a bunch of young moms gather in our space and her and Rachel lead them through what it means to have a life extraordinary, a relationship with God, she's using her gifts. And it's a gift. It's a gift to those moms. It's a gift to our city. And if you want to begin to live an extraordinary life, understand 
use your spiritual gifts. God has given them as a gift to you to be a gift to others. If you're not sure where to begin or what that looks like or how it all works, talk to one of us. Because this church is a great place for you to begin to understand and use your spiritual gifts. We have plenty of places for you to do that. And at the end of the day, it's not about us needing your help. Not at all. It's not about us being understaffed. We have no staff. All of us, we all have jobs. We're all doing this because we love God and we believe in what he's doing here. It's not about that. We want you to leverage this church to discover your spiritual gifts and begin to use them to be a gift to others. Use us. Use this church. Use the opportunities we have here to understand and use your spiritual gifts. Because when you do, you will begin to experience a glimpse of what God has created you for, a taste of what God has intended you for. Can you imagine what would happen? Can you just imagine what would happen in this church if we actually took seriously the understanding and the using of our spiritual gifts? You know, we have a bunch of small groups that have started off here. A bunch of people who signed up to be in small groups. Here's the crazy thing. We don't have enough leaders for all the people who want to be in groups. Some of you, God has given the gift of shepherding, of leadership. It's a great place to start. Talk to us about that. Some of you are really good with numbers. And you think, man, that's just like, that's just something for work. Or that's like a hobby. I don't know what kind of hobby that would be. But that's just like, how does God want to use that? You'd be amazed. I think of our friend Brad who uses that gift, those gifts, the way that God has wired him. And he literally is using those gifts to help shape and transform the finances and how we use and steward and leverage the resources God has given us. He's a volunteer. He has a day job, just like you. Can you imagine what it would be like if we actually took that seriously? And if others outside this church began to see that there was something extraordinary about this church, that these people are a part of something that's bigger than themselves. This room, this church would not be big enough to handle the people who would be drawn to a group of people like you and me who say that, no, God has created me for something more, and I want to use what God has given me to be a gift to others. The Bible tells us that one day, one day, every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for our life. Every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for our life, what we did with our life. God's not going to ask you what kind of house you lived in. God's not going to ask you how much money you made. God's not going to ask you how many friends you had on Facebook. God's not going to ask you what you meant to do with your life or what you really wanted to do with your life. The God who created you is going to look into your eyes and say, what did you do with the one and only life that I gave you? What did you do to fan into flame the gifts that I gave you to be a gift to others. And I want to be able to look God in the eyes, in his loving eyes, and say, Father, I did everything I could with everything you gave me. I leveraged the gifts you gave me to be a gift to others. I leveraged the resources you gave me to be a gift to others. I want to look into his eyes and hear him say back to me, well done, Jared. Well done, You took it seriously. You got it. And you understood and used the gifts that I've given you. Well done. Come and share in my joy and my happiness. That's what I want on that day. And I know you want nothing less. So let's do it. Let's actually take seriously the gifts that God's given you and begin to use them, not just in this church, 
but in this city, in our lives, in our ordinary, boring jobs, you can actually transform and make extraordinary through the use of your spiritual gifts. So I'm going to pray for us that we do that. We're going to sing some words that I know each one of us longs to be true. And maybe you sing them tonight as a confession to God, as a coming back to God, to say that there's no more waddling around in the ordinary, no more stagnancy. God, I want to leverage the life you've given me to be a gift to others. Let's pray. God, thank you that this is what you've created us for, relationship with you. God, that you've gifted us, that you've given us abilities and talents that we cannot explain on our own. And you did it, God, because you love us and you so love this world that you not only gave your son, but you actually gave us the Holy Spirit. That you created us, God, for more than what we see in the surface. And that you're not only inviting us into this, God, you are expecting this of us. And so, God, we want to share in the joy that comes. We want to share, God, in the joy that comes from using what you've given us to be a gift to others. So, God, it is our prayer with our life that we would offer it all to you, God, everything we have. Because we believe, God, in our soul, in our gut, that it's all a gift from you. So, God, take our lives, take our prayers, take these words, God, and transform them into something extraordinary. We pray in your name.